getting away for technology for technology's sake, getting away from like, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, whoever else has this technology, we need it too. Where we really start at like, what's the business problem? What is the purpose of the technology? And not only what's the purpose of technology, but can you continually determine, is it meeting its KPIs? Welcome to The Marketing Report, a podcast created for and by marketing professionals who seek to better understand their consumers and design unique, personalized experiences that stand out in today's market. In each episode, hosts from Verisk Marketing Solutions connect you to industry thought leaders, practitioners, and experts focused on improving B2C experiences through powerful data-driven insights. It's about how we connect with our consumers and where we can partner together to do it better. This is The Marketing Report. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Marketing Rapport podcast, coming to you from Verisk Marketing Solutions. My name is Corey Davis. Uh, very excited to be back. For those who don't know, I oversee the MarTech, AdTech, and Media category in business here at Verisk Marketing Solutions. I'm still getting the hang of that, and very excited for a new episode with our guest today, Mike Scafidi. I think I got that right. Mike is the EVP and head of technology at Digitas. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Corey. All right, so I'm going to run through the the basic uh, background a little bit here. Mike joined Digitas in May of 21 after nine plus years or so on the client side, as they say in agency land, over at Pepsi, overseeing MarTech, AdTech, and consumer data, among other things. And before that, he spent 12 plus years in the winding road of Razorfish. So very excited to have you on the show. Thanks for joining. I guess to, to get us started, give the audience a little bit more depth on that, on that overview and on your background. Yeah, yeah. So it all started in a, what was it, 1997 and graduated with a degree in biology and geology and realized I didn't want to go to grad school. And uh, this thing of the internet was starting and, you know, threw my hat in the ring with everyone else that was like, you know, wanted to figure it out. You know, and it was, it was the, the height of the dot-com phase, you know, right, right, before, right before the burst. And uh, over the last 20 years, it's been really fascinating to watch this industry grow and mature and become more complicated, you know, and, and, and moving from the agency side where I had a large automotive company that was my client for seven years and looking at, you know, these large corporations and, and, and realizing that agencies only get a sliver of understanding what's going on and the decisions that are made, I uh, had the opportunity to go client side over to PepsiCo. And so when I joined there, it was, you know, the world opened up. You, you really got to see, you know, what really motivated the decisions, the piece where, you know, yep, we'll ask an agency to do this and we're for asking them to do one specific task uh, where we have a hundred other tasks that we need to do. And so when I joined there, I was running their CRM and their websites globally and, and the promotional sites. And, and there is, you know, an evolution where when I was there, I started, I joined the digital team and it was a, it was a defined digital team. And, and they got to the point where they realized, well, digital is marketing, digital is everything. So they, they took that team and they, 
they distributed a lot of the experts and the strategists to the brands. But my role was still center. And then actually I was moved into the media team. And so what was fascinating there, we I was in a world of owned media, right? Which I didn't know it was owned media at the time. It was websites, right? It was CRM. It was it was just the things that you you build for the brands. And then you move into this world of 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 paid media and you realize how big the world is, the vast amounts of of resources that are available, the challenges that exist in that in that ecosystem. And that's where you realize, well, if you take the paid and you take the owned and you get them working together, you can really start to disrupt the system. You can start to create capabilities and advantages that you can, you know, leverage the, those first party data sets that drive more effective paid media solutions. And, you know, that's where we start to see how many different companies really have these separations fundamentally within their structures yeah. where their paid teams and their own teams are separated. And not only that, right, those own teams are often like working with the CTOs, right? And so there's this clear tension that happens between the CMO and the CTO. And so I was approached to come back to agency in January of 2021. And I reflected on the opportunities that we built the capability at, at PepsiCo about leveraging that first party data, understanding how, you know, in-house capabilities can drive performance in certain ways and where agencies are used in others. And how do we take that back to the agency world to sort of right, try to solve that tension between the CMO and the CTO and help more companies start to you know, break down those barriers to drive more efficient and effective marketing? Okay, that's a, that's a lot. So you've been at Digitas for about a year and a half or so, come on a year and a half. Have you solved the tension between the CMO and the CTO <laughs> at, at global enterprises yet? Yeah. I mean, these are big problems. How's, how's it going? Yeah, I think, you know, really where this is coming up mostly for us is around the changing privacy laws. And right as those privacy laws are changing, the data signals are changing for our brands and their ability to target and retarget their customers. So it's really forcing the conversation around first-party data. And so along with that comes the conversations between the CMOs and the CTO organizations. And so at least the conversations are starting in a way that they haven't been before because of the legislation changes. So it's really putting them in the room together to say, okay, how are we going to approach this? How are we going to bring together not only the CMO and the CTO, but also legal counsel, governance. And so getting all of those teams working together and sort of the these um, you know conversations about how do you continue to have rele- relevant conversations with, with customers is, is accelerating that progress, which I think is, is certainly helpful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess a follow-on question to that around sort of first-party data, I guess, you know, it feels to me that the type of business guides how mature they are on first-party data collection. Like I think of, you know, some kinds of categories of businesses that have been building and have really compelling CRM data and first-party data, 
that they've been building for 20 years. Whereas others, you know, basically have never done it ever. I think, you know, sort of CPG, I guess maybe sort of the PepsiCo kind of group companies like that, that traditionally sell through retail. Is that fair? Is that, is that kind of what you're seeing is that where the tension is today is those who are slightly less, you know, not as far on the, on the journey. Is that fair? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think it was that customers were giving their first party data to all different verticals because they're even in the CPGs, they're participating in promotional campaigns. But the history was that data was really needed for a single purpose. And as soon as that purpose ended, mm-hmm. the brands weren't continuing the conversation. They didn't have CRM programs. They didn't have sort of reason to have a continued relationship with those customers where they could have all along. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening now is that a lot of the companies that would have a little more shallow relationships uh, with their customers, or at least they're trying to sustain those relationships versus ones where it's more natural, like a bank, right? You're going to have your, you know, you're going to have a relationship with a bank because it's a long-term relationship. Yeah. So I think that's the shift is recognizing the value of that relationship and putting more focus towards extending a long-term relationship, no matter what the vertical, but you're absolutely right. Like the reason to have a relationship and the for reason for a consumer to maintain that relationship is that continued exchange of value. And so a company like PepsiCo, you can have a continued exchange of value because often those promotions are about aligning and supporting people's lifestyles, right? Be it a music lifestyle or a skateboarding lifestyle or whatever that is, these big brands, the value exchange is around the lifestyle exchange yeah. versus, you know, if you're with like, Peloton, right? Peloton, you're, you're, it's a more of a utility, right? You like you have a relationship because it's a more natural relationship. Um, so I think that's where different verticals need to sort of identify where is that value exchange? Why and how can we have an ongoing relationship? What is the reason why it's not just a one-off? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Got it. And so the head of technology function in that role within digital and in support of these holding company clients and all that kind of like, what is the technology solution or technology solutions that, that helps guide? Yeah, I, th- I think the first part is looking at the 9,000, right, technologies and then Lumiscape and to say, yep. how do we even approach this, right? Why do all these technologies exist? How do we sort of separate you know the signal from the noise around like what's really important do we simplify for our clients and really simplify the conversations and go with the the either the the leaders in the space that are have sort of marketing cloud solutions that have multiple solutions and and or you're looking for best in class you know point solutions i think that is the conversation based on culture with the clients and that's where so the technology role comes in, right? It's helping align and understand what technologies have in place, what capabilities you have to implement and maintain and drive adoption for those technologies, right? So my team is both strategy, operations, and engineering. And those three are critical in order to say, what do we need? What are the business requirements? Does it translate to a technical solution? How do you build it out? What kind of technology, technologists, engineers, 
data engineers, you know, front end engineers, back end engineers yep. to build it out. And then how do you operate it? How do you get the most out of those investments? And so often we're looking at the culture of the client. Are they already working with a cloud solution, a marketing cloud solution? And is there less friction to continue with that cloud solution? Or is there a reason why we'd want to go for the point solution and try to integrate that into, you know, broader ecosystem? Yep. You referenced that 9,000 on the MarTech, AdTech landscape thing. Scott Brinker, who created the thing, was one of our, was one of our very first guests on this show or last version of the show. Just a personal question. How do you keep up with 9,000 companies and what they're doing? Like you're individually like recommending those to your clients, trying to understand the cultures of those clients, best in class versus inclusion or cloud solution versus, versus best in class, all that kind of stuff. Like, but there's just 9,000 of them. So how do you individually keep up with all that? I mean, first of all, we have to thank Scott, right? For having six categories. And I think it's what, 46 subcategories. Like that alone helps us first to say, what is the role of the technology and what's the job to be done? That's always the starting point, like getting away for technology for technology's sake, getting away from like, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, whoever else has this technology, we need it too, right? Where we really start at like, what's the business problem? You know, what is the purpose of the technology? And not only what's the purpose of technology, but can you continually determine, is it meeting its KPIs and do you get rid of it? Because really with 9,000 out there, our goal is to simplify for the clients. Like complexity is cost, right? So how do we sort of try to reduce complexity to make sure we're purpose built for specific, you know, business needs? So yeah, I think the nine thousand. When when I look at the nine thousand, I look at also through the lens of paid and owned media. If you look at about twenty percent of it is in the paid media space, and eighty percent of it is in the owned media space. Now, the 20% of it is going after a $2.2 trillion industry. And the 80% is going after what, a $500 billion industry. So the complexity is actually on the part of the industry that has the lower revenue opportunity. So that simplifies things as well. That's a lot. Okay. And so recommending, making all these recommendations, trying to make all these best recommendations you can for all these clients in support of all this technology work inside these clients on behalf of Digitas, on behalf of Lucy's, dealing with 9,000 logos on the thing from Scott, first party data, third party data. Where does identity sit in all of that for recommendations to clients? I mean, how do you help them with this very large issue that I think, obviously we're biased, but I think we think, you know, it's pretty core to everything marketing and advertising. So what's the, how do you make recommendations based on that? Yeah, and I think we want to reflect on the last 20 years have been a bit of a, you know, a dream for marketers, you know, whereas we look before the digital age of marketing and, you know, we're looking at magazine distribution, TV viewership, right? So we've been in this world where addressability and measurement have been prolific. And so we've started to get used to it. You know, a lot of that will be able to be maintained, but I think we're also going to have to sort of appreciate what was done before and for good reason, 
right? And so if we look at, you know, ID graphs as much as we can, yeah, we want to have adjustability. I think as long as there's value exchange back to the customer, then the customers will sort of celebrate that and it'll be maintained. Outside of that, you know, we'll, I think contextual or model-driven advertising is going to, that is an area what's going to proliferate to sort of compensate for, you know, the lack of the easy stuff that we've been doing for the last 20 years, right? Like, I remember teaching my colleagues how to drop a cookie, but it was about like managing navigation. It had nothing to do with media, Mm -hmm. right? And so that like this thing that was like fundamental to the browser was then, you know, leveraged for media purposes. And so, you know, it was just, it was fundamental. Now we have to start to, you know, find new ways. No, and and as we look down the path, right, it's going to be more customer empowering. So blockchain have a a future in this. Maybe if it speeds up a little bit and doesn't have sort of processing delays, something along those lines, I think it'd be very interesting, you know, putting that control back into the customer's hands. They'll benefit from frequency management of commercials and they'll benefit from, you know, more relevant conversations. I think we're in an adjustment period that will come back to just being clearer on, you know, what kind of addressability they're going to want to opt into. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And so you mentioned blockchain, I guess I would imagine part of the, uh, the head of technology functioning inside a client driven business. You know, you're sort of asked all the time, like, what's the new thing? Presumably, like sometimes, what's the shiny new thing? What's the thing that, you know, really has a shot? You got, do you, I mean, as part of your role, sort of futurist and, and prediction, you know, maven kind of thing where like, and what, and if so, like, what are you, what are you advising clients to, to pay close attention to? Yeah, so actually it's how they approach it, not what they approach. So in general, I look at things that are sort of on the horizon in three buckets, right? And so the three buckets are, are we doing it for equity purposes because we want to be relevant? Are we doing it because we want to learn what this means for your vertical and your brand? Or are we doing this because, you know, actually for you it's new, but for your vertical it's mature and you need to sort of catch up. And so, you know, for that last bucket, I always say like augmented reality. So augmented reality is fairly new. Like a lot of brands really are trying to figure it out. The customers aren't really using augmented reality. Like, you know, the like HoloLens is very expensive, right? The, you know, you might do it a little bit for Pokemon Go, right? But it's not like, then you turn it off because you're like, yeah, it was a nice sort of like, Bell and whistle, but no one uses augmented reality with a Pokemon Go, right? But if you want to buy furniture and you're going to go shopping on Wayfair, yep. you're going to take that bar stool and you're going to put it next to your breakfast bar and you're going to see if it fits. And so if you're a furniture company, augmented reality is a requirement for your vertical. And so that's where we look at, you know, will crypto become a requirement for banking? You know, well, and so as we look at the equity learning or catch up buckets, that's what we want to really determine, like, how do we anticipate the market? If we think it's going to be there, then you got to be in that learning space and you got to be putting stuff out there and 
understanding like what it means for your business and where's your competitive advantage. Got it. Yeah, I'm proud of myself that I was thinking of the Home Depot app where you like you can tell like what the color paint is going to look like on your wall or what the yeah it could be a head of technology at digitas <laughs> okay last questions would be you know sounds like you got a big job lots of responsibilities lots of things to pay attention to at work outside of work what do you what do you find yourself spending your time on what are you reading watching listening to etc so Walking my COVID puppy, <laughs> listening to <laughs> listening to podcasts. You know, I do listen to a lot of economics podcasts. I think economics as a driver for, you know, our industry is very interesting and, and just in general. Right. And so additionally, you know, marketing podcasts and global global economic podcasts are the things that are critical. And then on the fun side, you know, smart lists, of course, of the <laughs> amazing light touch podcast outside of that you know i have a hundred year old house and i'm really fascinated about how do i make this as modern as possible yeah. right and so i think that's a interesting transition that you know you know living in the northeast there's a lot of old houses up here and so home automation actually is very difficult to do <laughs> in an old house so <laughs> we're spending a lot of time you know, getting that in place. Rewiring your house to to have like a smart thermostat and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you also realize, I don't know how much home automation you do. Home automation is not made for families. It's made for like an individual in an apartment. Like <laughs> it's hard to do well. And so like interesting conversations with my wife about like, how do I make it like invisible? So like, you know, she doesn't have to deal with it. Um, and since, since half of my house is wired, like, you know, my first floor the lights turn themselves on and off, but my kids' rooms don't. So they leave their lights on all the time because mm -hmm. they're so used to the rest of the house. They don't have to worry about it. Until now I'm the dad that says, turn your lights off in your room. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. Lastly, where can, uh, where can the audience go? Learn more about Digitas, connect with you, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Digitas.com is, you know, certainly easy to find there. LinkedIn is really my main channel periodically i tweet twitter's in a very interesting space right now so yeah that's where linkedin is really the place where i'm most prevalent and then uh, my twitter handle is md scafidi awesome mike thank you so much for joining the marketing and poor podcast we will see you next time Corey, thanks for having me thank you for listening to this episode of the marketing report this show is brought to you by Verisk Marketing Solutions, an organization created to help CMOs and their partners improve the reach, timing, relevance, and compliance of every consumer engagement. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to The Marketing Report wherever you get your podcasts. And check out the show notes for more information.